This is a News Radio 1440 podcast. And welcome in, everybody, and happy Festivus. It is our big Festivus special this year, so welcome to Tactics, where speech isn't violence, tolerance isn't love, and disagreement isn't hate. Welcome into the program. As always, this is our big December 23rd Festivus special, so get excited, everybody. And just like last year, we have a very special guest host who we've had on. It's, it's been a Festivus tradition, uh, which, of course, is, is always fun, that we have Laura on with us, Laura Clark. But this time we have an extra special guest, her husband, Matt Clark, who is also with us. So welcome to the program, guys. Say hello. Hey, extra special like edition to Baby Clark on the way this year. Mm-hmm. That's right, that's right. So, uh, Laura, how is growing a human inside of you been going? It's rough. I have extra grievances this year. <laughs> Got some pregnancy grievances, huh? I do. Well, you know, that acts as a perfect segue into what has become a, a real festivist tradition here, the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people, and now you're going to hear about it. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into the airing of grievances this year. I'm going to go ahead and go first since, you know, my show. Yeah, uh, <laughs> The Mass Karens. I am so tired of the Mass Karens. Every single place that you go, uh, there's always somebody that is going to inevitably come out and start trying to shame you for not wearing a mask. Look. There's a hundred different reasons that somebody might choose not to wear a mask, and that's none of your dang business. It could be that the person's already had the coronavirus and thus is no longer contagious. It could be that the person has some kind of respiratory issue. It could just be the person doesn't want to wear it, and this is freaking America, and they ought to have the right to do that. It may just come down to that. But either way, mind your own business. Yeah, okay, so that's on my list too this year. Because, I mean, and Caleb and I, I did not it. coordinate I love on this. It. No, we, we totally didn't. We, but, we never tell each other what our grievances are going to be. And I, I think I just kind of, like, called it the mass Nazis, but the mass care with, like, slash mass Karens. But it's accurate. Like, come on, guys. It costs you zero cents to mind your own business. So save money this Christmas and keep it to yourself. It's very true. And I've got to say, too, one of the things that annoys me about the whole mask thing, and, you know, despite the fact that, constitutionality and, and all the other... I mean, yeah, constitution is that. The fact that the science at best is inconclusive and worst, like every single time we've tried to prove that the masks work, they don't work. Um, what bothers me is the smugness. Oh my gosh, like, do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Just do... I, I love the whole thing of, like, legislators, like, just do the right thing and, and order a nationwide mask mandate. And I'm like, mm. that's called violating the law, but okay... Well, Don't worry about it. Even, like, sweeping the constitutional concerns aside, which I totally, I mean, like, you know that that's a, a big thing with me, but even if you ignore that, like, for example, in my family, there's there's one of these mask Karens that got very upset at me uh, for not wearing a mask and, and just said, I can't believe you don't believe in the science of masks, which I love. I love how the science has become like this uh, religious catch-all that just means whatever I agree with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, the science doesn't even agree with them, but whatever. Right, and then, then uh, I said, look, I don't think it's doing anything. I've done shows, I mean, I've, I've literally did a daily coronavirus update where I was following the numbers, and there is no difference in places that have mask mandates versus places that don't have mask mandates when it comes to cases. And I said, but you know what, even though I don't believe it, I will still wear one around your family 
if it makes you feel comfortable. Yeah. To which the response to that was, but you're not going to wear one in the days leading up to it. So it really doesn't make a difference. And I'm like, but I thought the whole science, I thought the whole science of the mask would say that it's not to protect you, it's to protect other people. And so how would that have any effect on whether or not I have the virus when I'm around you? Like they're, they don't even follow their own logic. Well, no, of course not, because you actually had to have logic to do that. Like, here's the thing, guys. I mean, it's like, okay, maybe. Maybe it has some level of effectiveness. But scientifically speaking, we have it. it there's just not a lot of conclusiveness on it because, like, I mean, we've had a mask mandate for how long here in Alabama? Uh, I believe it was July 16th. Yeah, and cases are still spiking right now. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's not working out for you. But there's legitimate reasons for people not to do it. I mean, there, I mean, mm. even if you are the type of person who's like, well, I just want my liberty. Like, I, I, I can see how you sound stupid. And I'm, I and I'm that guy. I'm not going to lie. But, like, <laughs> there's people like, look, I can't wear a mask for very long right now. I have to put it down, uh, you know, remove it from my nose anyway because I'm pregnant and I can't breathe very well. Mm. Then I deal with clients all day every day who are saying, like, I'm a sexual assault victim. I can't handle a mask over my face because I get panic attacks. Right. That's a thing. So oh, that's there are people with extreme... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there are people with extreme claustrophobia that have issues with that. I mean, these are real things. Y'all just need to keep y'all's opinions to y'all self. And then y'all do the right thing, okay? No, you do the right thing. And just shut up. Yeah. Well, I, I th- yeah, I, I think that's true. Uh, well, since since technically that was one of mine, do you want to do one of yours now? Yeah, okay, um, so, look, this is just my complaint right now, but the people who post pictures or descriptions of food on Facebook or any social media, number one, who cares? Number two, no, 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 number one and number two are both who cares? Number three, there are pregnant ladies out there and you're making us all sick, okay? Like, seriously, I'm, re- I'm seeing your post, and I'm over here barfing. <laughs> just because I saw a picture, or, like, not kidding, like, the other night, somebody posted, um, I went and got all this fried food, and then described all the fried food that she got for her kids, and, like, she and her kids ate. I was sick the rest of the night. It's true, I can attest to that. Because <laughs> somebody was like, you know, I want to share how fattening I'm, you know, making my kids and myself. Like, congrats <laughs> for your diabetes. Leave the rest of us out of it. That's my complaint. Okay, well, that's one that, as a man, since I can't get pregnant, regardless of what the left tells you, I can't, uh-huh. I can't do it. My body will not, not do that. Um, I, I can't really relate to that, but, you know, it sounds like a legitimate grievance, and uh, now I'm just going to post pictures of, like, everything that I, I fix just to mess with you. I refer <laughs> you to number one and number two. Who cares? <laughs> All right, well, um, one of my big grievances this year was... Uh, Arguments of authority. Now, I think that you're... And it does have to do with the coronavirus. Because of that, there have been a significant amount of arguments of authority. But the thing is, this has been something that's been a a thorn in my flesh for eons now. Yeah, well, it's considered a logical fallacy for a reason. It is a logical fallacy. Now, there are some legitimate appeal to authority. For example, uh, an eyewitness testimony. That is an authoritative source because the person was actually there and witnessed what happened. Well, it's considered actual knowledge versus... Right. But the thing that just drives me up a wall is when somebody's like, well, I happen to have a degree in this particular field, ergo, I must be right. No, no, you're not. Um, just because no, somebody just has a degree. I, I mean, like, I, I've, I actually did this um, not long ago, and we're not going to talk about this in the, the Daily Dose of Stupid Awards because I didn't think it rose to that level, but uh, Chris Rock was like, uh, 
trying to make the case that we need to just listen to the experts, and I'm like, you mean experts like comedians? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the experts like you guys? Sure. All right. Right. Like, again, again. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. The, Everybody wants to make an argument of authority when the authority figure is on their side. That's why it was so funny to watch Chris Cuomo's brain just explode on TV when he was listening to Scott Atlas. He's like, oh my gosh, there, there's a guy who's a, well, he's not a real doctor. He's like a, a, a doctor that doesn't deal with pandemics. He literally doesn't know any more than a guy that stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. I'm like... You're a talk show host, dude. He knows more than you do. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, and I'm a talk show host too, but I'm just saying, let's not try to make an argument of authority when you're actually the guy with less authority. Yeah, or like knocking other people's authority. Like, I, I mean, I, I get this all the time because I, you know, I dabble in the constitutional arts occasionally. Mm, yeah, right. But people can be like, well, what do you know? You're a family law attorney. I'm like, you know, I'm trained in like all of it, right? Like, yeah. I didn't specialize in family law. That just happens to be what I do all the time. That's another thing that bugged me. I love, uh, you remember a few months ago when Rand Paul and Dr. Fauci got into that fight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it was over schools. And uh, Dr. Fauci was basically, like, saying that uh, Rand Paul is just doesn't know what he's talking about. And then Jake Tapper goes, yeah, Rand Paul, who, he's he's not, like, a real doctor. He's an eye doctor. And I'm like, well, first of all, he still went to medical school. You know, wow. you're trained in all of that, right? <laughs> like, yeah. You specialize later. <laughs> right. He, he did specialize in the eye, but he is a real medical doctor. Regardless of, of what, you know, Jake Tapper thinks about it. Well, and he was agreeing with them on the facts, too. Yeah. Like, that's... the facts are there, but he's coming to a different conclusion about what you do with that. Right, but see, the funny thing is, here we are, like, I don't know, five, six months later, and now Dr. Fauci is saying exactly what Dr. Rand Paul was saying five months ago when he called him an idiot and said he doesn't know what he's talking about, so... I mean, who are we kidding? Fauci is yeah. actually just a politician, so... Well, I mean, he's a doctor, too, but he's a doctor that's been a bureaucrat for the past three decades, yeah. so... Um, that does make a difference, but anyway, just the argument of uh, of authority thing just drives me up a wall whenever someone trots it out. I have people in the biblical field that, um, like, they swear up and down if somebody has, like, a a Bible degree or whatever, then they must be right and I must be wrong on stuff with Bibles. Like, well, if the scripture says this, I don't really care what degree the guy has. Bingo. I mean, you can, like, have a degree in stupid, that's fine. Yeah, well, like, Matt... I know some lawyers who have a law degree that are really stupid. Like, Matt, you... I was actually about to bring this up. Matt, you know this probably better than most. Just because a guy has a a degree doesn't mean that he can say, well, the Constitution doesn't say this, even though that's clearly what it says. (laughs) Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, Yeah, sometimes the the people that get the Constitution uh, wrong the most are are lawyers and judges. I I remember back when the same-sex marriage battles were going on, there was one case, there was a, a federal district judge who wanted her opportunity to jump on board the LGBT bandwagon, and she began her opinion by saying, as our Constitution says, each person has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I'm like, you're a federal judge, and you can't even distinguish the Constitution (laughs) from the Declaration of Independence. This is bad. This is very bad. You need to not. People real smart. Well, I think that is what it goes down to is, and and I say the same thing when it comes to the Constitution or the Bible, like, if, if you have the authoritative source and it's saying one thing and an egghead with 10 degrees and letters behind their name says something else, you go with the source. You don't go with the egghead. Like, yeah. don't, don't tell me what the Constitution says. Just let me read the Constitution. Don't tell mm-hmm. me what the Bible says. Just let me read the Bible. It's not yeah, that complicated. Right. Anyway, Laura? Well, um, this one goes along with what you said, but I call them Facebook lawyers. <laughs> um, 
And like, so this is the reverse argument. This is of kind of the reverse of it. It's not that yeah. I'm saying I'm the, I'm the authority on it, but what I think, you know, number one is I went to three years of law school, and that was hard, guys. I didn't do it because I want to beat you in an argument at Facebook. What are you talking about? It was super easy. I was there the whole time, and you were like, we're never studying and partying all night long. I mean, that's accurate, <laughs> but I still made it through. But um, no, so I, I clearly didn't do it for that reason. But my thing is, is that if you're if you're not a lawyer and you're on Facebook arguing like you are, maybe have some humility about it so where you can recognize, you know, maybe I'm wrong about this. Because I am a lawyer, and I can tell you 100% of the time, law is just theory. Mm. And I, I'll sit there and tell you, like, yeah, I could be wrong about this. That's that's one thing, but this is what I'm thinking it is. Right, but see, the, the here's, the, here's the difference in what we were just talking about and what you're talking about, because I want to make that distinction for our, yeah. for our audience. An argument of authority is saying, solely because of my authority, I am correct. Mm -hmm. The difference yeah. in what you're talking about is... It's because you lack of authority, you definitely are not correct. Right. <laughs> I am a lawyer, but here is my argument. I've shown my work. This is why I'm right. Not because yeah. I'm a lawyer. And I'm annoyed by the people who are just like, well... Let's see what I see recently. Um... You don't go to court without all of the evidence. I'm like, bull crap. You go to court and then you get the evidence. That's how this works, guys. It's like, that's what discovery's for, people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, um, oh, this is another of my favorites. Like, I saw one person that was like, I just, I hate how people will uh, call themselves experts on case law, or on, uh, let's see, expert, law expert lawyers on Facebook without even having read the cases. And he's talking about this layman here. Yeah. And this guy's not a lawyer. I remember here, like, or I'm yeah. like, yeah, sure, or having gone to law school. And I'm like, if you won't look down your nose at other people, fine, but just realize the rest of us are looking down at you. Matt, you ever <laughs> run into these uh, Facebook attorneys? Yes, um, you know, so we, not not as much on, on my Facebook page. Uh, a lot of the people that are either insanely stupid or extre ex extremely arrogant have already defriended me by now, so you know, it's, <laughs> it's fine. But, um, hey, you use the weed out method just like I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's kind or of natural just, like, selection on Facebook. you unfollowed them. Yeah, right, yeah. right. So th that happens sometimes. But but one thing that has happened, um, you know, over the past week, uh, we have gotten in on some of these uh, election cases at the Supreme Court, mm. and um, my phone has been blowing up with emails from a lot of people who I think are coming from a great place. They're, they're, they're patriotic and they want to be involved. I get that. I love that. Uh, however, I'm getting a lot of emails from people that think they have the solutions to all these problems, and it usually begins with, under penalty of treason, do not alter this document. I'm like... <laughs> I don't think you this, understand how it works. <laughs> like, sorry, this is going in the spam folder. That's, just, <laughs> that's how this is going, guys. Or like those idiots on Facebook who are like, Facebook lawyers say, if you don't share this exactly like this in your Facebook page, I'm like, yo, look, did the Nigerian prince tell you to post that? Mm -hmm. Y'all yep. quit. You know, I actually have posted several of those, but I alter them so that they, like, are somewhat different. And so I, I just wait to see if people will catch on. Like, one of mine ended without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. That was my favorite one. I think my favorite one I've seen floating around is, like, um, according to the Facebook Dragon Lords, it's going to, you know, if you don't share oh, that, the one, dragon yeah. will come and eat you. Right. It's like... I will share that, that every too. single time. Right. That's like the only, if you don't share this thing, that I because I guarantee you, this could actually be a grievance on its own, even though I'm not going to do that. Uh, the, like, uh, if, you know, make sure to share, like, that guarantees I'm not going to share it. Oh, my gosh. If somebody yep. says, share if you love Jesus, or yes. scrolling past this means you love the devil, but sharing <laughs> means you love Jesus, and I'm like... Cool, I read that in my Bible too last week. <laughs> I think my favorite one, though, is the meme that's like, uh, 
you won't share this because you're afraid oh. of having Jesus on your timeline, and it's Obi-Wan yes! Kenobi. <laughs> that is it's the so best great. thing. Like, somebody needs to read their Bible a little better. <laughs> or watch Star Wars, either one. Yeah. yeah. I'd prefer you read the Bible, but Star Wars is a close, <laughs> close second. Or just look it up. <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, another one of mine, and this is a big one, I mean, especially this year. I'm so freaking sick of the media telling me that I'm not seeing what I'm seeing with my own eyes. Mm-hmm. Drives me up a freaking wall. I mean, pay no attention to what you're seeing behind you. Right, like it, it's happened so many times this year. The BLM riots, where there's literally buildings burning <laughs> behind MSNBC's Al Beshti, being like, "We just want to make sure that everyone knows." Uh, so far, everything has been been mostly mostly quiet, and there's not. <laughs> like dude there's a city burning behind you yeah it's the epitome of silent night over there cool right it, well <laughs> don't worry silent bombs. don't worry because it's just a mostly peaceful tree lighting ceremony oh, okay. going on yeah, so that's going on i love that the whole like cal rittenhouse case like yeah he was out there just shooting people up i'm like did you hear the gunshots <laughs> i don't think i have to try to convince a jury of that one mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't practice criminal law, there's, and I can win that case. There's actual <laughs> video evidence of him fleeing an angry mob with guns firing at him. All like, right, no, but he's the, he's the white supremacist. That's what's that, going on. But, right. Uh, uh, or the Hunter Biden thing, like, clear evidence that mm-hmm. Hunter Biden, um, you know, had been involved in China and Ukraine. Literal videotape of Hunter Biden saying in an interview that if he, his last name were not Biden, he would not have gotten those deals. Oh, but there was no corruption. No right, no corruption. And then, what is it? We're, we're two, no, three weeks <laughs> after the election, and now all of a sudden, guys, did you hear Hunter Biden's, like, super corrupt and, and involved in all these deals? It's all levels of ridiculous. And, like, I loved about that one, how at the very beginning, like, um, what was it? All these stories, all these news outlets wouldn't post a story, and then Twitter wouldn't share. You know, allow you to share it. Right. They actually banned anybody like, that shared it. Yeah, and they were just like, "Oh, it's because it's unsubstantiated." Like, so the the Trump tax records one that was completely unsubstantiated. Mm-hmm. You were cool with that, all right? Yeah. Well, but where we have actual well, evidence what, backing up the Hunter Biden stuff. But Laura, anonymous sources. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, wait a second. Yeah. Those taxes were also provided by anonymous sources. It's Weird like, how that works. Yeah, so none of it made sense. I was like, this is the most... Honestly, I think Democrats have narcissistic personality disorder. I I think that's got to be part of it. But another one that the media did this on and just gaslit everybody hardcore, Joe Biden's health. Oh, my God. Like, quit... Is he alive? Look, I get it. He He's not a vegetable... But let's not pretend like this is the Joe Biden of the 90s. No, it's like, not. Dude, you s- like, broke his ankle chasing his dog. <laughs> also, can we talk about why he was chasing his oh dog while gosh. he was naked and chasing his tail? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't even want to touch that. Um, no, but the... The dog uh, didn't either. Well, <laughs> apparently not. Um, but no, I'm, I'm talking about, like, just straight up telling you that there's nothing to see here when it comes to Joe Biden's health, and the guy can't get through a paragraph without completely butchering a sentence. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, they didn't even talk about that. Like, I, I'm not saying that you have to say that the guy, you know, belongs in an old folks' home, even though I kind of think that he oh, does. he does. Um, but, you know, I, I expect the media to at least be able to admit that, like, the Joe Biden that we saw in the Clarence Thomas hearings is not the same Joe Biden that you're seeing now that has no. to call it a day at 9.30 a.m. Yep. Um, That's but anyway. 
the election fraud thing, uh, I mean, seeing clear evidence of it, I'm not even saying widespread, I'm not even saying enough to overturn the election, but clearly, like, some election fraud went on, and that was obvious, and then yeah. telling us that uh, there was fair. none. Mm -hmm. This would be the first election in American history that didn't have some election fraud, according to them. That's interesting. That's never happened, actually. <laughs> yeah, and we could do a whole show on this by itself, but the coronavirus stuff, where they're, oh, like, freaking out about Florida... When Florida's death numbers are on the decline and Indiana's are rising, or, uh, yeah, Illinois. Oh, Illinois are like, on the rise, but no. Um, no, Florida. Uh, yeah, um, DeSantis, that he that guy's the devil, and then... Mm -hmm. um, but Colo's like the best. Right, Lori Lightfoot is a savior, and I'm just like, you, you people are morons. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, no, let's go ahead and give... Uh, Andrew Cuomo, like, what was it, the Emmy? He's giving, they're giving Yeah, he's getting an Emmy, Goodness and gracious. he's on a book tour right now. Yeah, for, for how he handled the stinking coronavirus. I'm like, oh, cool, so you're, like, touring because how you killed all these old people uh, by right. your really dumb policies? Right, right. He, he's literally, if you made New York a country as opposed to a state, if it was a country by itself, it would have the highest deaths per capita in the world. Oh, yeah, it'd be Italy. And you remember how Italy... No, it was worse than like, Italy. They were dropping Yeah, they, I mean, Italy, like, dropping off like mm -hmm. flies... And New York by itself topped that, but no, let's tout him by anything but right. the angel of death, which he clearly is. Mm. But anyway, so they've just, the media's done that to me so much this year, and I'm sick of it. They've always done it to some degree, but yeah. like, they, really they kicked it up to a whole nother level this year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so you have another grievance? Well, I guess mine goes along with that. Um, Democrat short-term memory loss. I mean, it's Are we talking about ever. specifically the fact that Joe Biden can't remember what he had for breakfast today? Okay, that's two. So that's one of them. And okay, then, so you're like, talking about in general. Just general. There, okay. so we're talking, like right now, how it's like, oh, you know, Hillary totally conceded the election and never had an issue, or mm -hmm. um, how it's undermining democracy to claim that there was a election fraud and all this stuff. And he should just concede because it's a patriotic thing to do. I'm like. Or okay. how about how George H.W. Bush and John McCain were patriots and, yeah. uh, you know, pillars of what it is to be an American when they were, they were racist, just, like, yeah. just a few years ago. And then, like, you know how Hillary Clinton, just a week before the election, was saying to Joe Biden, don't concede no matter what. Mm -hmm. How just three years, two years ago, we were dealing with them trying to impeach Trump over a fraudulent election. Anybody remember that? I mean, this is just, like... You gotta be like a goldfish at this point not to remember <laughs> how ridiculous they have been until this point. But no, they're gonna move on and act like, you know what? I think it's time to unify because we really weren't that bad. You, you know what's really sad though, Laura? As much as that annoys me and that's like a totally legitimate grievance, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um, it's also true that I think the American people have the short-term memory loss, and that's the reason the Democrats get away with it. Is because I mean, sure they're getting away. They're letting them get away with it. Democrats can, or, or sorry, Democrats just make these stories up that, like, if you have a memory that lasts more than 10 days ago, yeah. you actually understand that they take the exact opposite position that they did then, but because everybody in the public just kind of forgets about it, they don't, you know, there's no repercussions for it. Well, I think... All the leftists in the public do. I think the conservatives are still holding on to it. To an extent, but I even think they have a pretty short memory, to be perfectly honest. But, you know, no, that's people me. do often. Okay, here's no. another one, an apolitical one. People driving slow in the fast lane. Like, Preach. come on. Oh, my gosh. I, the, the, and the worst one is not just the guy that's driving slow in the fast lane. It's the guy that's driving slow in the slow lane. And then the guy next to him driving slow in the fast lane, so you can't even pass him. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I think like it should be perfectly legal to just shoot at those cars. Time for it. I think Can we should have at least, like, a flashboard on top of your car saying, move over. It's not going to work. Give up. I want to go full-on Batman and just, like, Mi- missile launcher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for that. I'm sure I can get that installed in my truck. But only if it, like, you know, obliterates them or, like, or just basically dust because otherwise they get in the way, you cause a wreck, and then there's Yeah, that's again. true. Yeah. This is the one time where I would be okay with the Karen showing up because in Alabama, driving slow in the left lane is a criminal offense. So you get the Karens, you know, behind somebody that's uh, driving slow in the left lane. They call 911. They report the criminal in front of them, gets them off the road. Hey, I'm okay with that. That's not yeah, a problem. Yeah, but it's probably the you Karens know, doing that. I was about to say, you know, what it, you know, Matt, it's the Karens doing it, and they're wearing a mask while they're doing it. Yeah, <laughs> by themselves in their minivan. But anyway, that... that I just, that drives me absolutely nuts. I I know I've got a little bit of a lead foot. It's a personal failing of mine. I get it. Don't we all? But, oh my gosh, if I want to do it, that should be my decision to make. And Mm. you going 10 miles below the speed limit to where I can't even pass you, just get off the road. Agreed. It's not that hard. Just stay right. Right. Stay right. Always. All right, Laura? All right. um, So, my last one is these COVID restrictions at doctor's offices. Like, I'm sorry, I can't take, like, one person with me. Okay, and here's what's really weird. So, another pregnancy-related complaint, mm-hmm. but my husband could go with me if I'm having an ultrasound. Mm-hmm. But if it's the first time we're hearing my child's heartbeat, he can't go. If it's anything but an ultrasound, he is not allowed to go with me. Mm-hmm. Which, I, I, I'm glad he can go at least to the ultrasounds. But, like, what if my child was dead and I, like, had to go deal with that by myself? Mm. Or, like, all the other appointments I've had to deal with by myself, like, you know, oh, hey, let's talk about where you're going to give birth. You know, I'd like to have my husband there for that conversation. <laughs> so I just think that's silly. I mean, some of it is just, I, I get it, you want to be cautious, but can we use some reason in this? I think that's too much to ask, and I think, yeah. <laughs> honestly, the, the way that everything has unfolded this year, especially with the coronavirus stuff, I think we've we've shown over and over again that logic plays no role in it. I know, but the um, doctors are being the most unreasonable. Which and is they should odd. be the ones that know the best. Right. Um, but, like, going into a restaurant where you have to put a mask on to walk two feet to your table, then take the mask off, and you're perfectly safe then. It's great. It's protect. Oh, or, like, you know, going to the Black Lives Matter rally, you're good. Well, this, virus is not going to touch This you. is the wokest virus we've ever dealt with. Yeah. Yep. If you're at John Lewis's funeral, or if you're at a Black Lives Matter riot, it's good. then you're fine. But Trump rally, forget that. You all gonna die. Eleven people at Thanksgiving, death sentence, everybody. <laughs> yep. Or if you're like singing, nope, can't do that. Right. Uh, I think Matt and I actually talked on that in the last interview that we did. Is um, it was like, well, apparently, according to the city of New York, um, getting out and burning down an auto zone, perfectly acceptable. Eleven people uh, getting together to take the Lord's Supper, that must be stopped. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. clearly. But anyway. Uh, well, my last one is censorship. Mm. And I've always hated censorship. I think you know I've got a pretty strong libertarian streak and my audience has, has come to know me for that. But it's just gotten so bad recently. And I, I get it. Like, Facebook, Twitter, they're all private companies. They can do this if they want to. Mm-hmm. But if they're going to, they shouldn't get the protections that come with being a platform. Amen. Yeah. That, that's all I'm saying. Like, if, mm-hmm. if Facebook wants to be the New York Times and they want to come out and say, you know what, we hate conservatives, we don't even want you guys on here, they have the right to do it, mm-hmm. but don't get taxpayer-funded protection from us 
for not be for being a platform if you're not going to be a platform. Someone needs to amend Section 230. It's got to happen. Well, they actually tried it not too recently, but I don't think that that effort is going to go through. It definitely won't now that Joe Biden's coming into office. Well, they were trying to shoehorn it in before he got into yeah. office, but I, I don't think yeah, that no. it's going to do anything. Uh, it is it is really disheartening because just the arrogance of people that... Because here's the thing. I, I you know tell people up front, I'm an opinionated guy. I'm biased. I don't pretend to be unbiased. I'm not mm. a journalist. I'm a commentator. But here's the thing. I tell you that up front. Yeah. You know where you stand with me. I'm not pretending to be, you know, Mr. Ob- objectivity or anything. No, yeah. And because of that, I also don't mind other people with different opinions talking about it. I don't try to shut up the New York Times or MSNBC or uh, even just here locally. I don't want AL.com to go under. I, I don't want the Montgomery Advertiser to not be doing stuff. I don't want to shut down Josh Moon. No, I don't. Well. I mean, just because he's freaking entertaining for the main thing. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, and I mean, it makes my job easier. But... Uh, you know, I, I don't want to cancel people just because I disagree with them because I believe ultimately that if you, you know, y- you meet together on the battlefield of ideas, the American people, even if they get it wrong, they get to decide for themselves. Yeah. Because I might be wrong on something and I don't want to rob them of the ability to hear what is correct just because I happen to be mistaken. I agree with that. Yeah, and I think, like, now I will say CNN, NBC, all of them, like, those are supposed to be objective journalists. So if you're talking about their opinion pieces, that's fine. Yeah. But, you know, just the objective journalism that they're supposed to be doing, that totally doesn't exist. Yeah, that's a problem. Well, see, I don't even care that they're biased. Um, I, I do care that they pretend not to be biased when they clearly mm. are. Yes. Um, but my biggest issue with them is that many of those organizations have now act as fact checkers mm. Yeah. Uh, for these media organizations. And then, like, Facebook just like. Guys, it wasn't us. It was our independent fact checkers, and we they pretend as though they're not biased. <laughs> yeah, that's what kills me on Facebook. Like, guys, right it was now. Snopes. I was like, really, Snopes that has fact checked the Babylon Bee eight <laughs> times now. <laughs> that's your great. crack squad that's going to be determining this. <laughs> Can't even tell the difference in a parody site and a real site. <laughs> Come on. It, it kills me, and like Facebook especially, it's like you post something and they have this fact check on there, and it's like it doesn't even make sense. Mm. You know, like what was it the ballots thing? Well, it's out of context. Um, no, mm-hmm. if you okay, well, suitcases. Yeah, but here's mm-hmm. the thing: maybe maybe it does lack context. Why is that your job? And how is yeah. it the point? Because if it's showing it at all, the context doesn't matter. It doesn't help you. Right. I don't see how raw video... <laughs> yeah, that's not going to help out anybody. And then, like... When you're you censoring know, raw video, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, or, it's you know, unedited. even talking about Democrats' comments on stuff. Like, yeah. oh, it's out of context. I'm like, how is that any better? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's still I not mean, okay. I mean, yes, things can be taken out of context. I get sure. that. But don't protect me from the information. Yeah, yeah. Like, I can do that. And, and another thing... On, People can discern. Right. And another thing on this this whole thing, I, I've got a great story to tell you about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sharing a, an article, I want to say it was Conservative Review, uh, Daniel Horowitz. No. And it was about some coronavirus numbers, and they gave the fact check saying that it was incorrect. And the reason, because whenever this happens, I actually go to their fact checker and read their side, because I actually want to get both sides, mm-hmm. um, even though they never do that for a, a left-leaning no. article. Um, but I went back and did and looked through their fact check to see where Dan, Daniel Horowitz might have been wrong. Well, what they said was uh, the issue is that he was using a study that had been withdrawn. So in other words, they put forward the study and then they withdrew it because there was incorrect information. 
Mm-hmm. Now, normally, I'd be like, okay, that, you know, I, I, don't, I don't agree with the censoring, but that makes sense that that would be included in the fact check. Here's mm-hmm. the problem with that. The headline of the article is that the medical association had withdrawn. It's in the headline. They withdrew it. Them withdrawing the study was the headline. <laughs> so, wait, no, it's wrong because they, it was a withdrawn thing. And, uh, yeah. Right. It literally says that it was a withdrawn study. In the headline. No, they just want to make, they want to discredit things that, you know, it's. Because here's the thing. It was a study. I think you probably heard about this. It was a study that basically proved that masks work. And Daniel Horowitz was putting forward the story. He's like, yeah, they had to withdraw it because it was a load of crap. And their case numbers started rising dramatically the second they released the study. And then Facebook fact checked him for that, even though he just reported what happened. It wasn't even an opinion piece. It's Mm -hmm. really stupid. But anyway, so that's been this year's edition of the airing of grievances, and uh, I've had a lot of fun, and I know that Laura is going to be super stoked. I feel better getting it off my chest. I do too. I I love this time of year. Mm-hmm. It gives me a chance to reset, and I, I know I have 365 days to get riled up again. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'll probably be riled up again in another hour. It's good. Yeah, well, you know, that's that makes for great radio, though. So. Um, I know that you are super excited, though, about our next segment because that's right. We're doing a top ten. This time it is going to be the top ten Christmas songs. My favorite. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we're going to be, Laura and I are going to be doing our top ten Christmas songs. So let's go to the top ten. Dicks. Top ten. All right, so the way that this works, we didn't do it the way that we normally do a top 10 here at Tactics when there's more than one of us. So uh, Laura and I are just going to alternate. And, uh, you know, because there's so many Christmas songs out there, we probably didn't hit very many of the same ones. So we're We didn't just, hit any of the same ones. <laughs> I don't think we did. Uh, I, I haven't seen your list, so I don't actually know. So we'll go ahead and get started with number 10. Number 10. All right, so number 10 on my list is the 12 Redneck Days of Christmas. I'll agree that that one is a great song. That is a good song. It was hilarious. And I love that song so much that ever since it came out when I was, I don't know, a teenager, I think, um, I can still do all 12 from memory. (laughs) 12, pack of Bud, 11, wrestling tickets, 10, Copenhagen, 9, years probation, 8, table dancer, 7, packs of Redman, 6, Kansas Spam. Five flannel shirts, four big mud tires, three shotgun shells, two hunting dogs, and some parts to a Mustang GT. There you go. So, That's impressive. Thank That's you. Impressive. Yes. I, I can't even remember that. all the words to that. <laughs> and I used to have to listen to it 20 million times a day with my brothers. I had a feeling you're, right. that, that seems like right up your brother's alley. That is completely up his alley. It's his favorite. Yeah. That and uh, Grandpa got run over by a beer truck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a good that, one, too. That sounds like, yeah. All right, so what's your number 10? Sleigh ride, I you know, and like the mute, the instrumental version of it. Like I think it's so well done musically, and of course you add in actual sleigh bells, and then uh, I, I don't know. I love anything that I've ever played as a musician, and mm-hmm. that one's so fun for me to play. I like it. I'm sure it's a good song, but I've never heard it before, so I can't comment. How do you not heard sleigh ride? Uh-huh. Everybody has heard sleigh ride. Well, maybe I've heard it and I just don't know it, but you know. That's okay. We'll go on to number nine. We're going to have this conversation. Number nine. All right. So my number nine is, an, uh, a, I think, 
one of the prettiest songs that you'll ever hear, and it really doesn't have as much to do with the music or even the lyrics. It's just the singer. Pretty Paper by Randy Travis. I've never heard it. Really? Yeah. Well, you can't get mad at me for not hearing, have, not, not having heard no, the last one. No, no, mine's a classic. The other is Randy Travis. <laughs> Randy Travis is a classic. He's not. Not like Sleigh Ride. <laughs> I disagree. But anyway, <laughs> I'm not even a huge fan of the lyrics in that song. I mean, it's, it's got good music, and it's not got bad lyrics. But, I mean, like, Randy Travis just has a fantastic voice, and he kills it in that song. So <laughs> that's that's my number nine. What about yours? Uh, Christmas times are coming because I grew up on bluegrass and oh yeah okay yeah so I like that yeah you're song a Tennessee a lot. girl that makes I, sense I am a Tennessee girl my dad was in the bluegrass band my brothers played guitar and banjo and all of that mm -hmm. and, all right so I grew up hearing things like Christmas times come Christmas times are coming and I loved it okay I still love it <laughs> great pick let's go on to number eight number eight. All right, and number eight on my list, it's another funny one, Drunk on Christmas. Okay, that was good. By John Rich. I'll give points there. Okay, so you have heard this I one. I have heard that one. Okay, so usually when I say this, people have no idea what I'm talking about, but I love John Rich. I've always been a bit, a huge Big and Rich fan. Yeah, yeah. And, I've, I listened to Big and Rich when I was a teenager. Right. I do know them. Yeah. But I've heard that one. Yeah, Drunk on Christmas is really funny. I think it's the funniest Christmas song ever, in my opinion. So if we're doing comedy, like, that would be my number one. Really? Have you heard, like, Jingle Bombs, though? Because that was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think it's not funny. I just don't think it's funny as Drunk on Christmas. Yeah. What's your number eight? Uh, I'll Be Home for Christmas, which has a whole new level of significance for me now. Mm -hmm. You know, living Is there any particular here. version or just in general that song? Uh, no, just in general that song. I don't like anything modern. There, any modern version of it, I'm probably going to hate it. Okay, fair enough. That's just my general rule for everything, though. See, that'll be useful going forward. We'll know that you just don't like that. So let's yeah. go on to number seven. Number seven. And number seven on my list is Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Yeah, okay, that is a great version of that song, mm -hmm. though. And I was going to say specifically the Jackson 5 version. I love that. Yeah. That is a really good one. I mean, like, the other one can be pretty, eh, but that one is awesome. <laughs> you ever you ever seen The Longest Yard? No. I have. Oh, well, Matt, ma maybe you'll get this one. I like Lil Michael. <laughs> <laughs> it's It's been a long time, but that, yeah, I'm, I'm remembering that. That was good. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Michael Jackson's later stuff, too, but, like, that Christmas album with the Jackson 5, and that's the best one on there. Like, oh, that's great. That's a fantastic album, but that's the best song on it. So good. Yeah, I listen to that one every year, too. Yeah. Well, what What's yours for uh, number seven? So I feel like mine are so lame compared to yours because I'm, like, such a classic nerd. But um, yeah. anything from the Nutcracker Suite. That's just, I'm lumping that all together because I love them equally. But, again, I love anything that I've played Did you before. really just use an entire ballet because in one slot? it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Because I've played the entire ballet. So I can honestly tell you that I've played the entire music from it. And mm -hmm. I, you know, have a, a mad respect for it in that sense because I know how to listen for all the parts and it gives me more appreciation of it. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're just listening to it, I can see why people would be maybe a little bored. Yeah, I think especially with the Nutcracker, the reason that it's, it's just hard for people to women to get their guys to go out and see it is because it's called the nutcracker i mean i feel like that's fair um my dog is a little bit more appreciative given he has no nuts but right like... already and hey. by the way if anybody out there is upset that i just use sixth grade humor 
dude, you knew what you were getting into when you started watching this Why show. Why are you watching this show? <laughs> you were in the wrong place, my friend. We've been probably cracking sixth grade level <laughs> jokes all night. Yeah. All right, let's move on to number six. Number six. Number six for me is one that I feel like is very controversial because there's people that love it and people that hate it, but I love it personally. And it might have something to do with I just really like the artist that wrote it, Wonderful Christmas Time. That's the one that's like, simply having a wonderful Christmas time. How do you know that one and not Sleigh Ride? Paul McCartney. He's a beetle, Laura. Okay, that's fair. (laughs) That's fair. It's a good one. I actually do like that one. Yeah. No, well, I'm, I'm glad you approve. Yeah. yeah. And, and, guys, Laura's tough on me when it comes to musical selection. Oh, all the time, yeah. And, yeah. in fact, this is why this whole scene, like, this whole thing is hilarious is because, like, every year it's an argument over when you start <laughs> listening to Christmas music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Right, but we're in December, so it's safe for both of us. It happens year-round at our house. <laughs> in November. <laughs> Matt, November. you know, I, I don't think I've ever told you how much I appreciate and admire you. <laughs> There's not many a man who could put up with this. You, you know, <laughs> Laura loves all things Christmas. She, you know, Christmas in our house starts at uh, October 31st on, at, at midnight, you know, when it goes to November 1st. Um, one thing, look, I, I'm still a rookie when it comes to being married, um, but it seems to me that when it comes to choosing your battles, if your wife is really passionate about something and you're kind of indifferent, let her do what she wants. You know, that's not the time to throw down. <laughs> See, because you're on tactics. It's not just debate tactics. It's also tactics for dealing with your wife. Real story. So This year I was pregnant, and he was like, yes, baby, what can I do? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, dear, have some more chocolate, dear. These are all very safe tactics if you're not sure what to do. Good advice. Good advice. (laughs) All right, Laura, you're number six. Um, Christmas Waltz. I think the Partridge Family is my favorite version of that. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I like that one a lot. Um, I, I don't know that as well, but I have heard it. So, yeah, and the Partridge yeah. family is just great. Like, they're, I mean, they're a name in and of themselves. They're just fantastic. So, I was really more of a, the 70s. I was really more of a bewitched kind of person, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to number five. Number five. Five Christmas songs. All right, so my number five is Holly Jolly Christmas. Yeah. Okay. And and I like this song in any of its forms. I like the original and the, like, the claymation, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. But That's I think it. the best version, in my opinion, is Alan Jackson. Okay, I like Alan Jackson as an artist. Mm. I really do. I think he's fantastic. I did enjoy his Bluegrass album. It's actually pretty good. Yep. But I don't know that I would agree with him on this one. Okay. On that one. But I like Holly Dolly Christmas. I just think Alan Jackson's maybe not the right person to sing that one. Okay. I I mean that's that's fair. That's your opinion. I just like to keep my Alan Jackson and my Christmas music separate. Mm. See, I mean, you know, I could be wrong, but I'm not. So there you go. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like there's some things that should be kept separate and apart. <laughs> Working in some Church of Christ humor. <laughs> All our Baptist viewers, that just went right over their heads. They had no idea what that was about. Can we have Church of Christ humor at Christmas time? <laughs> I don't know if that's okay. Wait a second. <laughs> it's mixing. <laughs> Christmas humor and Church of Christ must be kept separate. <laughs> separate apart. Wait. <laughs> Hashtag no Christmas here. <laughs> No, we're, we're, we're cool with it. We're good, we're good. Yeah, it's really not an issue for us. All right. We <laughs> Laura, just write jokes about it. Right. Laura, what was your number five? 
Uh, Christmas Canon. I think Trans-Siberian Orchestra did the best version of that to me. Mm -hmm. And I love Trans-Siberian Orchestra. If you don't know them, they're like a rock orchestra type. And they're stinking awesome. But the Christmas Candidate is awesome. You know, I specifically didn't include any Trans-Siberian Orchestra on my list because they're instrumental only. And I don't know why, but just... They have some vocals. Like Christmas Canon is vocal. Oh, well, I didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. But I will say I love Trans-Siberian Orchestra. They're so good. Um, like Mad Russian and uh, what's the other one? Holly or something like that? Yeah. But, I mean, all their stuff is like medleys and remixes, mm -hmm. but it's really good. They're very talented. Dude, they're, they're, like the, so awesome. they're like the ELO of Christmas music. Yeah, and they're doing a, uh, like a live show that you can stream from your home like this Friday, and I am beyond excited. Oh, that is cool. Like, yeah. Yeah, that is right up your alley, too. It's my fave. Christmas special, <laughs> Trans-Siberian Orchestra, Christmas, Laura. Yeah, Laura's here. <laughs> it's like all the Laura things. Yep. It's like that time they did the Oscars, and the Oscar winner was a movie about like a, a gay black director. <laughs> it's like, wow, that's like, like well, all the Oscar things. <laughs> but, <laughs> all right, let's move on to number four. Number four. All right, number four on my list is one by my favorite band of all time. And this is just a really good song. It's an original one by them. Please Come Home for Christmas by the Eagles. Okay, that is actually really good. It's a really good song, I especially like the way. intro. I don't know what it is about the Eagles. I mean, all their music is good, and their songs are good from start to finish, but, like, they just nail every single intro. Yeah. Like, Already Gone and Life in the Fast Lane, those are two of the best rock intros of all time. Uh, but yeah. but this one in particular that um, bells will be ringing. Oh, that's so good. It's well done, and like I mean, the Eagles are awesome. I mean, they're very few. I don't like rock. I love classic rock, mm -hmm. and the Eagles are the epitome of awesome classic rock, and they oh, nailed yeah. that song. So <laughs> I'll give a lot of points there. Oh, for sure. I love mm -hmm. I love that song. It's just got great instrumentals. Great. I mean, it's the Eagles. Great instrumentals. Great vocals. There's really nothing to complain about. Such a good song. Oh yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Laura, what's your number four? Uh, I think my number four would be the Christmas Festival song done by the po the Boston Pops. Um, I love the Boston Pops, and mm -hmm. they did the it's a medley, but they just did it so well. And like, I just love anything with strong brass parts, like low brass coming out, the French horns, because I used to be a French horn player, so I'm biased. Makes sense. But like, oh, it's good. I can listen to that over and over again. <laughs> so you could say that you're a big brass fan. I'm a big brass fan. <laughs> We're back to the sixth grade humor. Basically, yeah. Again, this is just us. What, you knew this. Yes. No, no one should be upset at us because you knew what you were getting when you bought the ticket. You watched this show. <laughs> All right, let's go to number three. Number three. Number three on my list is Silver Bells. And there are several good versions of this song. I like this song just, you know, because it's this song. And so I'll, I'll enjoy any version of it. I think Elvis Presley has the best version. As a native of West Tennessee, <laughs> I, can't, I can't argue that. 
My question is, have you heard the Richard Nixon version of Silver Bells? What the? <laughs> yeah, so that's the thing. And his, his dad does it every year at Christmas, and it's my favorite. My, my, my father, he, he loves doing voices, in, uh, pre voices of presidents. And somehow, I, I don't know whether he heard this from somebody like Richard Little or whether he came up with it himself, but dad decided to sing Silver Bells in the Richard Nixon voice, and it cracks me up every year. I mean, I it comes on, and he's just automatically going into it. Yeah. Silver bells, silver bells. It's Christmas time in the city. You know, every <laughs> time. Like Got the peace signs going and everything. Yes. Yeah. I like take Richard Little's, you know, parodies of uh, of Nixon and you know one up him a little bit. Okay. <laughs> That's kind of what he does. So funny. But yeah, I agree. I mean, silver bells with Elvis. I mean, you can't go wrong with Elvis. No, I, it, it's just about anything that Elvis does is fantastic. But, oh, yeah. but yeah, Matt, I'm gonna have to get your dad to do that at some point. We can we can make that 100%. happen absolutely. And and our kid is gonna grow up, you know, screwed up because he's gonna grow up hearing <laughs> his grandfather singing that. He's gonna think it's normal. And uh, like even what even is? He's this? gonna think that's the version of Silver Bells yes. you're supposed to sing. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, that's good. God bless you, kid. <laughs> you gonna need some help. <laughs> All right, Laura, what was your uh, number four? Or, sorry, number three. Uh, so, Dominic the Italian Christmas Donkey. Okay, you've lost me on this one. It's real. Dean Martin does it. And I think it's like an Italian classic. But, yeah, it's awesomely hilarious. Like, it cracks I, me up every time. I mean, it may be really good, and I just never heard of it. But that's like, meant to be serious. That, but, like, that threw me for a loop, so... <laughs> great heard it for the first time a couple of years ago it's like one of my favorites every year all right well let's uh i don't even know how to recover from that there's not a way to recover right from let's just go to number <laughs> let's just go to number two number two now my number two is kind of like my number three in the sense that i like every version that i've heard of it i just like the song itself and there's lots of different versions that i enjoy listening to but uh, Carol of the Bells. Yeah, that's good. Love Carol of the Bells. I love the Pentatonics version. They do a really good rendition. You didn't like that one. I don't like the Pentatonics. Okay. I think a better version is the one that it was a string quartet. I want to say it was the piano guys maybe that did that one. Yeah, yeah. That's um, a good one. Theirs is really, really good. That may be my favorite one. Uh, there's Ding Fries Are Done. That's, <laughs> that's good, too. Good one. Who did that? It was a family guy. Well, they they actually copied the the original video. They just did a oh, parody really? of a of the parody. So yeah, <laughs> but but they did do a, a version of Ding Fries Are Done. And it what's funny is Burger King this year actually did a commercial with the really? Ding Fries. Yeah, they did. So <laughs> they just decided to steer into the skid like eleven years after it happened. So. I mean, take a head on. It was I, great. I don't know why you wouldn't, but I mean, it's all joking parody. aside. Carol of the Bells, it's an incredibly versatile Christmas carol. Mm. Yeah. Um, it, it's just musically complicated, and that's one of the things I like about it. The instrumentals in it are really good, regardless of who's doing it. Yeah. Mm. And so I just love that song. You can, do, you can have it with lyrics, you can have it without lyrics, and do just instrumental. It's, it's one of the best songs, regardless of what form it takes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, anything. I mean, and Carol the Bells is actually kind of a canon musically, mm -hmm. and so that I love a good canon because canons, when done properly, have a beautiful chord structure, and they. I mean, Carol the Bells is just a great example of that. And I love canons because it's how we beat General Cornwallis and won our liberty. That's Accurate. why I like canons. <laughs> My mom went there too. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, Matt, it's just because you guys we're... are like infantile. <laughs> being a man, we I was about to say it's stuff. yeah, it's it's just because we're guys and we love America. What's wrong with you, Laura? Unbathed heathens, <laughs> Philistines, a lot of you. We're men. We like seeing stuff blow up. What can we say? It's true. It's true. I tried so hard to bring you culture. <laughs> <laughs> Can't drive out the, t- the testosterone. It's just it's not going anywhere. All right, what's your number two, Laura? Um, oh, holy night. I like every version except for the Mariah Carey version. I know that's the most popular. I think it's stupid. I don't... I've probably heard the Mariah Carey version at some point, but I've not listened to it enough to know it, know the different versions, so... It's... Just no. It's just no. But, like... Okay. The song itself is very good. And, you know, disclaimer, I don't believe Jesus was born on December 25th. I think any, you know, belief to the contrary is a little bit not based on anything, but... You know, I think... Uh, well, we just lost our sponsors, but whatever. Oh, God, sorry. <laughs> but I think, you know, Oh Holy Night is a good song. It was well done. Okay. I love right. it a lot. It's one of my favorites. I feel you. All right. And uh, let us go to the big one, number one. And number one. Just that version I love. All right. And number one on our list, on my list, is... Christmas and Dixie. I think you could do better. No. Christmas and Dixie, Alabama, and I'm not picking it because it's Alabama, but the fact that they're from, and, and the song actually ends with, and from Fort Payne, Alabama. Oh Merry Christmas tonight. I love Christmas and Dixie. It's such a good song. I mean, it's good. Just, I don't know. You are not enthused about my number one pick. No, I'm not. You know, you, you've been very good to me this entire list, and yeah. you just waited till number one to crap on my selection. It's like you, you expected coming, anything man. else. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, Matt? That's a good point. I really shouldn't be surprised. I don't know why I am. Yeah. You got a good point there. All right, so. All right, Laura, what's your number one, who I'm sure is going to be so much better than Christmas and Dixie? It really is, though. No, it's not. It's great. It's I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, and I like... (laughs) (laughs) It's it's so dumb, guys. No, it's great. Uh, I like any version that isn't the stupid one that came out recently. Who did that? It was the Casting Crowns? That was Uh, awful. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. It was awful. It was a disgrace to all music everywhere, and frankly, they should burn themselves. Just go ahead and throw themselves in the fire. Dang. That's how I feel about it. But the song wow. itself the views is amazing. Views of my wife do not necessarily reflect. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's real though, and like I, you're I, such I, a I lawyer. Really last year, but like, um, but yeah, okay. So it has beautiful lyrics like, and peals the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. And it's just, I mean, it's gorgeous. It just, if it doesn't like give you chills as you're listening to it, then where, where's your heart? See, I feel that way about Christmas and Dixie, but whatever. Whatever, you just try, quit trying to save face. You know it's not as good. <laughs> well, guys, no, I know it's better. <laughs> so, guys, well, you know, I think you guys are both missing the big point here, which is you should feel this strongly about the song Christmas Shoes. That's, no. <laughs> just go. I'm just messing with her. <laughs> I'll deal with you at home. <laughs> See, that's the stuff that goes on behind the scenes that <laughs> I don't want to know about. Although I'm not a big fan of the Christmas Shoes song. It's, it's a, not bad, How is but, that even a Christmas song? It's not okay. It's not okay. It's more of a Christmas song than Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I can agree with that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I actually... I think they're both stupid. No, nah, I just... I, I don't know. 
<laughs> okay, I'm not going to get off on a tangent. <laughs> but it ticks me off that they try to sh- they try to like disguise the Harry Potter movies as Christmas movies because they have one Christmas scene in all of them. Yeah, and like the fact there's snow and like Hedwig, like no, this is, it's not a, it's not a Christmas movie. Right. I've heard the argument that that uh, Die Hard is really more of a Harry Potter movie than a Christmas movie because they're running around a tower at night trying to fight Alan Rickman. You know, so it's it's more of a Harry. That's Potter a movie. good point. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. I don't okay, know why thanks. I never thought of that. <laughs> I don't know. On on my like perspective, though, another one that's really funny is when it first came out, they kept playing Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah. Is it just snow? It, snow but, is yeah. all that you need for but Christmas. It, but it does have that one Christmas scene. Yeah, because like, Santa shows up. Right. Father Christmas gives Peter his sword and shield, and mm. uh, Lucy her dagger and her vial, and then Susan her bow and her horn. It's like mm. one scene. Right, it's like one scene, which is why I didn't really thought it was qualified as a Christmas movie. And then, like a couple of years later, when Prince Caspian came out, they were putting that one in at the same time, and I'm like, okay, yeah, guys, like the first one was a stretch. This one just straight up isn't a Christmas movie. Yeah. Nope, no, no, no. There's not even a snowflake in that entire film. Yeah. Nope. But anyway, I don't, know, I don't know. Some people just try to stretch it to to do that. I don't know why, but they do. Anyway, so that's our big Christmas top ten. Fire off in the comments whether you thought we were right or, or whether we were wrong. I mean, he's totally wrong. No, I'm totally right. And I think that the uh, the people of Alabama will agree with me that Alabama has the better Christmas song. Alabama's great, but it's not better than I heard the bells on Christmas Day. I'll what? give it a solid number ten. Well, I didn't hear the bells on Christmas Day, so there. That's true. We don't have snow here. That's right. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not even a thing. But you know what we do have? Christmas in Dixie because of Alabama. All right, let's, <laughs> let's move. I tell you what, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back here in a second on Tactics. This is a News Radio 1440 podcast. Hey, everyone. I'm going to be honest with you. I have had a really, really crappy day. My Auburn Tigers lost to the Gamecocks, of all things, and now we're 2-2. Two and two. Then my Braves lost to the Dodgers, of all people even though they could have gone to the World Series today, and now they're going to be forced into a Game 7. And on top of all of that, I wound up getting a ticket for $190, completely canceling out the $150 I got for doing a wedding today. So it's just been a terrible day all the way around. But the thing is, as bad as this day has been, there is something that helps me out with it. InsomniaCookies.com. That's right, InsomniaCookies.com. You can go to any of their physical locations, which are in Birmingham or Tuscaloosa or Mobile or Auburn. You can go there and you can get something directly from them, or you can go to their website and get one of these fancy boxes at InsomniaCookies.com. And here's the thing. This is my little secret on this. My favorite dessert is not cookies. My favorite dessert is brownies. And it turns out that Insomnia Cookies, even though I only requested they send me a box of cookies, also sent me brownies. I didn't even know they made brownies. Somebody there must be a mind reader because I asked for a box of cookies and it's like they knew that I would enjoy the brownies. And so, never had one of these before. Never had an Insomnia Cookie brownie. This is uh, the first test. And um, they do always recommend that you put all of their cookies when you get them out of the box. They recommend that you put them in the microwave. The brownie takes a little bit longer, so you might want to leave it in there for like 20, 30 seconds. They recommend 10 for the cookies, but here it goes. First taste test of the Insomnia Cookie Brownies. That is actually really good. This has uh, chocolate chips in it, and so you get the consistency of a brownie. You get that, that really sort of crumbly 
moist thing going on, but you also have the chocolate chip. And, and by the way, uh, that is quite a compliment because especially a boxed brownie like this, one that arrives in the mail, it's really hard to get that moist consistency, but um, you pop it in the microwave or in the oven for just a few seconds, and you really do get that moist, like straight out of the oven brownie taste. Oh yeah, it tastes like, it really does taste like I just made a batch of brownies and cut them. Well, actually better than that, because to be honest, I'm, I'm not much of a baker. I can cook, but I'm not much of a baker. Like a lot of bachelors, that's just not my forte. And so this is a fantastic, fantastic brownie. And uh, I didn't have to make it into somebody that's a single guy. You know, if I make a pan of brownies, that would, they're probably going to spoil before I could eat them all because it would make like 20-something brownies. This way, I get a brownie, I get a single serve, I can just buy one, two, three at a time, and they don't go bad, and, and I can eat them, and it's like enjoying a brownie fresh out of the oven. So, man, that is a really good brownie. Hmm, fantastic. So, check them out at insomniacookies.com. That is insomniacookies.com. Tactics with Caleb Colquitt, only on News Radio 1440 and News Radio 1440.com. And welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for being with us here on Tactics. Now, we do have an extra special treat for you, Laura. I know that you're going to get a chuckle out of this. Um, you know, one of the most, the symbol of Christmas really is Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. And okay. I, at Christmas, kids, you know, write letters and put all their deepest wishes and desires into them because they're wanting Santa. And, you know. I mean, I do. Yeah, I, I do the same thing. My, look, my mom told me when I was little, Caleb, if you do not believe, you do not receive. Ergo, I still believe in Santa Claus. I mean, I do too. I mean, I have not given up. No, me either. So, apparently we're not the only ones. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, a lot of Democrats, evidently. Oh. They have also written their letters to Santa Claus, and uh, because of this is tactics where we make things happen, we have actually intercepted, apparently the uh, security at the United States Postal Service is not real great. Uh, so, Imagine that. <laughs> I know, right? Not this election. Yeah, I, th I think, um, you know, we also got a few ballots uh, mm -hmm. Kidding, kidding, John Merrill, don't arrest me for voter fraud. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're actually going to go ahead and take a look at the Democrats' letters to Santa. Hello, Santa. It's that time of year again when I ask you to please bring Bill enough hookers to keep him out of my hair. I really need your help this year because since I had to whack... I mean, since the unfortunate passing of our dear friend Jeffrey Epstein, whom we would never harm... It's been hard to find enough young women. I had several other things I wanted to ask for, but I emailed that list and now I can't find it. Merry Christmas, Empress Kankholz. Dearest Santa Claus, I know you're tired of hearing this because I ask every year, but can you please send me some kind of cream to fix my face sag? Yesterday, I tripped on my left cheek. Also, I'd like to ask if you could send a few nuclear warheads to Iran. I know they're on your naughty list, but could you do it anyway for my sake? If you give the nukes to them, they won't be able to blame me for Iran having them. Reporting for duty, 
John Kerry. Santa! As you know, I've always been a bit jealous of my little brother for getting to be on TV all the time. I guess the joke's on him now that I have an Emmy for my acting on TV and now he doesn't. But I really do love him and I want the best for him, so I'd like to ask that we can get the whole family together and the media not find out about it like they did for my big family Thanksgiving with my 80-year-old mother. Who knew the peasants would actually expect me to follow my own laws like some kind of lowly commoner? I'm also running low on lilac hand sanitizer, so send me some more of that, please. Do you also use your prisoners to bottle that? Oops, sorry, I meant to say elves. The thing I'd like to ask for the most is that you get people to stop asking about the real nursing home COVID statistics. It's so frustrating. Don't they know I changed the way we count them to make New York look better? Why are they trying to undo that to make me, I mean New York, look bad? Godfather, Andrew Cuomo. Greetings, comrade. I've always admired your tireless efforts at furthering our shared socialist agenda by giving away free toys for nothing. I am pleased to report that the plan is working and now people are expecting to get everything for free well into their 30s and 40s. For Christmas this year, I'd really like another big beach house and fancy yacht to throw big parties in. Now, I know these gifts are far more extravagant than the ones you normally give out and just remind people that I'm also part of the 1%. But as a fellow socialist like you knows, in socialism, everyone is equal, but some citizens are more equal than others. Death to capitalism, Bernie Sanders. Dear Mr. Claus, well, it seems like you didn't give me what I asked for last year since I'm not the president-elect right now, but I still thought it couldn't hurt to ask again this year. I have several things I'd like, including a tomahawk, eagle feather headdress, and some way to fake a 23andMe test. Also, I feel like I should ask for maybe some kind of bear or something. That will make me seem folksy, right? I'd really love some new big corporate donors, but can you keep that just between us? I'd hate for the voters to think I don't mean what I say about taking out corporations just because most of my campaign money comes from them. Merry Christmas, Princess Boring Horse. Santa baby, since I'm already vice president, there's really only one last thing to ask for. Normally, when I want a better job, I just have to sleep with someone. But there's no way to do that this time since the only man that outranks me only likes 12-year-old white girls. That's not too surprising considering he said that attractive smart black people only exist in fairy tales. Anyway, since I can't use my lady parts for this, I was wondering if I could ask you for some type of poison that's odorless, tasteless, and completely untraceable. I searched Amazon for Iocane powder but nothing came up. So I was thinking you could help me out? Not for any particular reason. I'm just doing some research on the issue. I'd never actually use it on anyone. <laughs> Love, Kamala Namala. Hey, you misogynist pig. I like 
don't want anything from you because you're a cisgendered white male and represent everything that's wrong with this patriarchal system. Like, seriously. The nerve of you, like, even thinking women can't even, like, get presents for themselves shows what a hypocrite you are. If you came into my house to leave presents, that's literally the same as rape. If you were really a saint, you would be, like, breaking into rich people's houses and taking their stuff they got by exploiting the working class and redistributing it to poor people. That's what my faith teaches me to do. Instead, you use slave elf labor to make toys with corporate sponsorship, just like every other greedy capitalist. I, like, can't even with you. The only comfort I have is that in just 10 years, the Earth will become so hot that your home in the North Pole will be melted away. I, like, so hope you drown. Feliz Navidad, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh... Look, Fat, I wanted you to know I already got the thing that I wanted most this year. I won my election to the United States Senate. I'll represent the people of, of New York well, and I promise to do my best to protect all Americans. I mean, the ones that voted for me at least. Because I believe that all men are created equal, endowed by... Uh... You know the thing. Anyway, I don't want much this year. Just send me a couple of 12-year-old girls to sniff and a snazzy new boot for my ankle and I'll be satisfied. Oh, and maybe some lotion for my hairy legs. And if you don't bring me what I want, then you ain't black. Come on, man. I'm not asking for much. This has been a really tough year for me with being criticized for the crime bill I passed last month and Clarence Thomas being confirmed to the Supreme Court. I just really think it would be nice if you could... Uh... Uh... Who stopped? Happy Easter, Corn Pop. Yeah, guys, hope you got a real kick out of that last segment. We had a lot of fun making. It was actually an idea for my friend Jordan. She kind of had the initial thought, and then I just kind of rolled with it and turned it into a segment. So hopefully you enjoyed that. Let's go on now to our daily dose of stupid. That was stupid. I know it was stupid. Really stupid. Hey, I just said it was stupid. Well, guys, this is our big daily dose of stupid roundup. So what we do is we, we put together everything. So this is going to be the yearly dose of stupid. Uh, this is an, we're, we're going to do enough stupid in this one segment to keep you tied over until next Festivus. So we're going to try. <laughs> right. There, there's going to be a lot of stupid. In there's this a segment. lot of stupid. Lots of stupid. There's a lot of stupid in the world. And that's why. I know. That's why we do it this way. So what we're going to do is we're going to be counting down the top five for our daily doses of stupid. And these are all things that I've done a daily dose of stupid for over the year. And then we are going to be revealing who is our winner of stupidest person of the year. So we've got a lot to pack into this little daily dose of stupid. But first, we are going to start with our honorable mentions. Honorable mention. All right, so I had a couple of honorable mentions, and I thought that these were just 
freaking hilarious. Oh, yeah. uh, my favorite. Democrats discovered federalism this year. I mean, it's beautiful. Like, I'm glad, but I wish they'd be consistent about it. Oh, they've already forgotten it now, because that was several months ago. This was a Daily Dose of Stupid, I want to say, back in July or August. Yeah. Yeah, so what was going on at the time, because, like I said, these are all past Daily Dose of Stupid segments we did at one point in this year. Um, this particular one, as you may recall, when a lot of states were talking about mask mandates and and everyone was talking about, we need to get Trump to institute a national mass mandate, and we need him to do na nationwide shutdowns and, and all of this stuff. And then all of a sudden, everybody on the left started saying, well, wait a second, we've got a lot of blue states, and there's a lot of uh, blue state legislatures and blue governors. We could just shut things down on a state-by-state -state level, guys. We could do that. And I was just like... <laughs> Like, We've no. literally been arguing this for 200 years. <laughs> yep. But that was that was one of my honorable mentions. Laura, you had one? Yeah, um, so John Roberts arguing with himself. <laughs> that was pretty funny. That was just, I'm sorry, that was stupid. Yeah. And you, you achieved justice yeah, without being stupid. So for those of you who may not remember what happened there, uh, the Chief Justice, John Roberts, was literally making the opposite argument that he did on a couple of different issues. But I think this, oh, yeah. w this one specifically um, had to do with, uh, was this one the Obamacare decision where yeah. he like reversed? Yeah, okay. I was just making sure because this was your honorable mention. It was great. Yeah, so um, he reversed his decision on the, he was literally arguing against two years ago, John Roberts. <laughs> he was arguing that he was wrong two years ago and flip-flopped. He actually joined the opposing side. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm like, dude, you, you missed your chance to do the right thing on that. It's absolutely astounding. John Roberts, I mean, his opinion changes with whatever direction the wind is blowing. It's, you know, a lot of times the way he operates is, you know, he, he's trying to figure out, is the court going to be subject to criticism? And if the answer is yes, then he forms his opinion based around that, rather than trying to stay logically consistent, which is really what a justice is supposed to do. Well, Accurate. And, and that's kind of the, the really disheartening thing about Chief Justice Roberts is... The whole point of having the Supreme Court is to solve contentious issues. Yep. I mean, if it was just issues everybody agreed on, then we wouldn't need a court. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it just astounds me that, like, the, the, the ones that he's not reliable on are the ones that are contentious and are high, you know, high tension and he doesn't want to upset the apple cart, which inevitably results in him upsetting the apple cart. Mm -hmm. Or, but, like, if you call him out as stupid, then he's like... You know what? I'm just going to distinguish why I was still right. Was that recent case he did that in? Oh, what, what, what was that one? That was a recent one. That wasn't. Yeah, what, it was really that recent. That wasn't it this was day. Was about Jacobson. Yeah, yeah, that was a uh, that was uh, Roman Catholic Diocese of Brooklyn. Um, yeah, so it was like one of yeah. those where like they shut down, you know, religious services and the Catholic Church sued over it. And right, Matt and I did a segment yeah. on that not too long yeah. ago. Yeah, and so John Roberts is like, I wasn't wrong then, and I wasn't relying on that, but I totally was, but I kind of wasn't. Yep, he totally but was. But you were, dude. Like, everybody can read. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I've got one more honorable mention that I just had to bring up, even though it didn't make our top five. Uh, the Montgomery occupational tax. I mean, the levels of stupid that this thing reaches. Whole in fact, Laura and I didn't necessarily think this one should be in the top five, so it didn't wind up in it. But I had to mention this one because, guys, what happens when you tax something? Anything, regardless of what it is. It discourages people from doing it. Mm -hmm. You just put a tax on hiring people. Morons. <laughs> I don't. There's not the a way, way to put that. Just goes up here. You'll know why. 
Right. Uh, it's. I mean, there's a lot of dumb taxes out there. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I, there, m- there are far more dumb taxes than there are good taxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the occupational tax may be the dumbest tax out of all of them. <laughs> the oh, fact gosh. that we, you would actually tax somebody for hiring people in your city. Oh, yeah. Like, is there anything that would be more discouraging of people working in your city or wanting to build a business here? Like, it's like why is everybody leaving for Prattville with Tumka or Pike Road? I can't figure it out. Gee. Yeah. Couldn't be the tax rates or the terrible school system. <sighs> mm-hmm. I, I love my, my hometown. I love the River Region. But sometimes, like, the stupidity of Mon- people in Montgomery, just it, it drives me up a wall. Mm-hmm. And, and I know That's that, why we're getting out of here. <laughs> Anybody want a house? I know there's good, smart people here. I, you know, I like to think I'm one of them. I, the people I go to church with, everything. There are good people in Montgomery. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But there are some stupid people in Montgomery. <laughs> and, and they're all in the government. Most of them yes. are, yes. <laughs> all right, so let's actually go on to our list, and we'll start with number five. Yep. yep, yep. Number five. Okay, so our number five for this year for the stupidest of the Daily Dose of Stupid was Joe Biden telling everybody to believe women just a couple months before allegations <laughs> yeah. of him raping someone came out and then and immediately like, going like, no, woman. don't believe that woman. Mm. I mean, believe all women, but don't believe that woman. But I no, I meant what I said when I said believe all women. I just didn't mean all women or believing them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, poor Tara Reid. Having to, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, every other person, every other woman that's set forward and say, yeah, he raped me even if it's not true, was listened to. And Tara reads back here like, dude, he's becoming president. He totally raped me. Like, what right, and that's on? the thing. There's not a lot of evidence on this. Yeah. It's yeah. very possible that she's making all this crap up and mm-hmm. there, there's no truth to it. It's also it's possible. possible that it's real. Yeah. But like, it's given less weight than those other women that stepped forward who had even less evidence. Right, and that, that's my issue with it. Like, People here remember the Roy Moore thing vividly. Mm-hmm. And there was, again, not much evidence to, that backed up what Tara Reid was saying, but it was substantially more than Roy Moore. Yeah. It was substantially more than the allegations with Donald Trump. Brett oh, Kavanaugh. Yeah. Uh, Brett oh, Ka- Rick Kavanaugh. Way more than Brett Kavanaugh. Thing. There was nothing with Kavanaugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing that irritated people about that. Not even necessarily the story itself. It's just the blatant hypocrisy and the double standard of the left immediately saying, well, you have to believe all women and these people should be taken seriously and you're a, you're a sexist for even suggesting that we should hear out the evidence as opposed to just believing them automatically. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And then the second that it came out that the guy that they were running for president, they were like, uh, we, we really want to investigate this and she could be lying. We mm-hmm. don't... I mean, just out the window. It's total hypocrisy at the left, but it's real stupid. Right. This is another one that didn't make the list, but it was another Daily Dose of Stupid I did when Alyssa Milano evolved on Believe All Women as a big leader of the Me Too movement. Yet she's one of the ones uh, dressed up and screaming at Brett Kavanaugh, calling him a gang rapist. Oh, yeah. But but Joe Biden, no, we've got to stop back and, and take a look at that. And, you know, we don't know that it could be wrong. Yeah. Did anybody actually ask her if she should reverse her position on Kavanaugh? Mm. And I, I, my favorite <laughs> you thing. evolved on that? My favorite thing was that radio interview where she goes on with uh, with that guy. And she's like, look, um, I, I think that women should be believed, but they should also be investigated. Oh, so you mean it's treat like, women like humans. I was like, <laughs> yeah. wait, wait, wait. So literally what every conservative was calling for in the Brett Kavanaugh thing. Bingo. And like every allegation sense. Like, no. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. 
Well, I mean, that's the thing. It just it revealed the utter hypocrisy that they only want to believe all women when they think it helps them politically. Yeah, that's, that's basically it. true for everything they do. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go ahead and go to number four. Number four. Now, number four on this list, <laughs> this actually set a record. I don't know if you knew this, Laura. Did you see this particular segment? No, I didn't. Okay, so... It's the shortest Daily Dose of Stupid we have ever done. Impressive. I did it in... I actually had a timer up in the the corner, and I was able to pull it off in 30 seconds. Wow. And that includes the clip and everything. So it was Chris Cuomo. This was when the BLM riots and everything was going on. And uh, and this is another thing that I love, how they can't decide whether or not the protests were actually peaceful or they weren't peaceful, but that's okay. Um, (laughs) So this was when they were on the... Either way, you can't get the runner. Right. But <laughs> but this was back when they were on the stance of, well, it's not peaceful, but it's okay that they're not peaceful. Yeah. And uh, this was Chris Cuomo coming on the air, and he goes, so explain to me, where is it written that protests are supposed to be civil and peaceful? And literally all I did... Actual constitution. Right. Literally all I did was play the clip, and then I said, here, and then pulled up a picture of the First Amendment. <laughs> The right of the people to peaceably assemble. Oh, wow. That must be hard, Chris yeah. Cuomo. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Anybody that believes Chris Cuomo either has read or cares about the Constitution is kidding themselves. Yeah. I would, in fact, I think anybody who believes that could be easily added to the Daily Dose of Stupid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Indeed. Um, all right. Let's go on and move on to number three. Number three. Number three on this list is a local story. Josh Moon writing an article trying to convince conservatives to vote for Doug Jones by bringing up a thing that conservatives hate. Yeah. <laughs> so it was so funny. Like there, were, I, I don't have time to go over the whole list again, and if you want more details, just go back and watch it. It wasn't that long ago. Uh, just search for Josh Moon under the Daily Dose of Stupid. But this article... Only Josh Moon could have done this. Yep. Josh, Josh Moon goes through an article, and basically his whole argument of why conservatives should vote for uh, Doug Jones is because it serves their wallets. Because now, you see, Doug Jones has been in the Senate for three years, mm-hmm. so now he's entrenched, and he has friends in the Senate, and he's part of the swamp, and also he could bring back more money from the federal government. That's literally everything conservatives hate. We do not want that at all. It's like that great that scene in the office. Like, I mean, if you know me, I'm a huge office fan. Yeah. But where Pam is talking to Michael and she's like, stop dating my mom. And Michael's like, well, now I'm going to date her even harder. (laughs) It's like, well, now we're just going to vote for Tommy Tuberville even harder. Yeah. Right. You guys know that I was kind of on the fence about Tommy Tuberville and I, you know, he was actually my last choice in the Republican primary. Oh, we're, we feel the same way. That's how we felt about it. Right, and I, I still wound up voting for him because I, I think that he is a good man. I think that he's a moral person. Um, I mean, he's not Jones. And, and, <laughs> and, he's, and he, that's another thing, that he's mm-hmm. not Doug Jones. Uh, but like after I read that article, I was like, dang, Moon makes a good point. Tommy Tuberville wouldn't be able to do any of that stuff since he's a, a you know a brand new senator. So like that's a, even more incentive for me to vote for Tuberville. <laughs> Josh Moon made me want to vote for Tuberville more writing yeah. that article. <laughs> 
As he did for us all. I, yeah. I, I really can't figure out Josh Moon's whole style of, of writing. He's in a deep red state, and every time he tries to address conservatives, it's it, it, it's either something like that, that you know the, the logic just doesn't work and it backfires on him, or it's like a liberal flamethrowing piece. It's, it's, it, you know, he may as well mm-hmm. echo Hillary Clinton and call Alabamians deplorables. And then it's like, oh, that, now that I beat you up like that, will you please read my stuff? Just, you know, I, I think he's coming out with a new book called How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's going to be a bestseller. Well, the funny thing about that is, and, you know, your, your analogy there, Matt, isn't bad. It's just that at least Hillary Clinton doesn't, like, say that in front of a room full of people from Alabama. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Josh Moon does that. Yep. Know your audience, people. <laughs> know your audience. And here's here's the thing I know you'll love about this, Laura. The clincher at the end of this, when he comes all, when he, like, brings all this to a head and, like, he's making his closing argument, he says, uh, but another thing is that Doug Jones is well-respected. He knows government better. He's got friends in Washington. And, guys, uh, if Joe Biden wins election, then that means that he is going to be in with the president. He'll know the president. And they'll be able to get a lot done. I'm like, I literally don't want them to do anything. We don't want that. We want Joe Biden's hands tied. Mm-hmm. Like, frankly... I'm the kind of guy that just gridlock is my favorite form of government. But even if I weren't, like, I wouldn't want the agenda of Joe Biden and Doug Jones to get through. I mean, Alabama voted against Joe Biden. Why? Because we don't want his agenda. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is how stupid this is. This is like if I went to the bluest part of Washington, the state, and was like, guys, you got to vote for my friend here. Because you know why? Trump loves this guy. I mean, he and Trump are like this. Mm-hmm. Like, That's that wouldn't great. appeal to people in Washington. No. That's a blue state. All levels. Stupid. Uh, Josh Moon, you know, he needs to win Stupidest Person of the Year at some point. I'll send him uh, an award right now. Yeah, well, <laughs> all right. Let's 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 go ahead and move on to number two. Number two. Now, for number two, this one is kind of a conglomerate, but uh, it, it was a really good Daily Dose of Stupid, and there was just so many examples of it that I had to keep issuing like one after another after another and just kind of rapid-fire oh, yeah. them. It was the media and their coverage of the Jacob Blake protest that happened in Kenosha. <laughs> so, it was multifaceted, right? Because the, the first part was they completely botched the story. Yeah. The story was that Jacob Blake was doing nothing wrong and was just like basically out for a walk doing nothing. And then a army of police officers descended upon him, started yelling racial epithets at him and just started shooting him for no reason. Like that's oh, basically yeah. yep. based on how the media covered it, what you would think would have happened. Yeah. And then when you saw the video, you saw that none of that happened. Mm-hmm. The guy was a already convicted rapist who had just come from his victim's house mm-hmm. and then reaching into a vehicle where he had a gun on the floorboard. Mm-hmm. Like, literally everything about that wrong. And then, to add insult to injury, these protests came completely unjustified, and riots would be justified no matter what, but even the protests were unjustified. Mm-hmm. And then the media completely screwed up the coverage of that, too. I remember the CNN Chiron with the reporter standing in front of, like, a, 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 a car lot... With all the cars on fire behind him and CNN literally put on the Chiron, mostly peaceful protest. It was so stupid. 
stupid. I'm like, who are you kidding? It's like, that, folks, is fake news. That is the definition of fake news right there. Right, you're literally saying that the opposite of what I'm seeing with my own two eyeballs. <laughs> totally not what you're seeing. Yeah, I mean, it would have been better for CNN to have just part. not run that video than to have run it and then put the... I don't know, it's just... It was a great example of what I was talking about in the airing of grievances, them just trying to straight up tell me that I'm not seeing what I'm seeing. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, maybe they should have just shot footage in front of a graveyard. That would have been a nice, mostly peaceful protest for them to <laughs> film. I don't Democrats know. Democrats coming together to talk about their grievances. Graveyard. Yeah. But anyway, so that's... We could go all night about just that, but that Daily Dose of Stupid, man, I, I just... there it was, was all levels. There was so much stupid, it, it, would, it took forever for me to cram all the footage into mm -hmm. that one little segment. Oh, yeah. But anyway, let's go on to our big one of the night, number one. And number one. Number one, the stupidest daily dose of stupid all year long. And I think that Lara is especially going to like this one because <laughs> she's an attorney as well. The lawyer... In the Ahmed Aubrey case, so you remember Ahmed Aubrey? That you remember that video that came out of Ahmed Aubrey, and um, he was just presumably just jogging along, and then uh, three random guys in a truck come up behind him and just shoot him for no reason. Well, here's the thing that we learned in the course of all that: that video was not originally public information. You know who released it? The defense attorney for the guys that shot him at Aubrey because he thought the video would help his client's case. Wow. <laughs> I mean, maybe it helped his case in the sense that, like, okay, these guys aren't racist. They're just vigilantes. So we'll give points there-ish. It still shows but, them murdering the no, guy. No, I mean, clearly, it's not like, okay, as a lawyer, your job is to protect your client in the court of law, not in the court of public opinion. I don't care about that. That's your problem, not right, mine. Right, but this screwed them over in both ways. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, y'all are just... You do not pick the court of go court opinion over the court of law in either way. Just, just stop. Just no. Yeah, I, I think, you know, from, from an attorney's perspective, the only thing I could think that is plausibly within the realm of reason for why he would release this is that, uh, you know, the guy pulled the gun on, you know... Uh, poor Mr. Arbery, and then, you know, grabbed it and started fighting back. And so the lawyer might have been thinking, well, you see, you know, he was actually the one that reached out and grabbed a gun. Now, granted, if for whatever reason I've got a gun on somebody and they, you know, try to pull it away from me, I'm going to think it's a life or death conflict. The problem is they had no freaking right to stop him in the first place. If I'm jogging down the street and three guys, you know, like one truck behind me, one in front, and then a couple guys, you know, pull a gun on me, you know what? I'm going to think they're out to kill me, and I'm going to fight back. And that use of yeah. force is justified. So you're right. That dude blew up. Up his client's case, both in the court of public opinion Stupid. and the court of law. That was some of the worst lawyering I have ever seen in my life. Awful. Uh, now, Laura, Matt, you both know I'm not an attorney. You don't want me as your not defense an attorney. attorney. Uh, right. I, but even you went and pulled something that's But stupid. I'm not dumb enough to show the video no! <laughs> yeah. of my client murdering somebody on tape. Exactly. All levels of idiotic. Yeah. Now, is this the most impactful daily dose of stupid? No, it's it's not like, you know, something the president does as, as far as a policy that affects all of us or something like that. But, but it's, pretty it's it's the dumbest out of everything that we could come up with. This is definitely the dumbest daily dose of stupid mm -hmm. all year. Um, yep. <laughs> all right, so there's only one thing left to do in our big annual dose of stupid, and that is to name the stupidest person of the year. Oh, yeah. Uh -oh. So... Our stupidest person it's of the year. It's not me this year. No, it's not. It's never been you. Is it me? 
No, we've had some heavy hitters, though. We've had some really big people be our, our daily dose of stupid. AOC, uh, she was champion two years running. And, yeah, yeah. And it was the hard that, this year getting out of from her. It was hard, and she actually did place very high. I think she was yeah. like fourth or fifth. So she, oh, yeah. you know, not as vocal as she normally is, but she placed pretty high this year. Um, my most recent one that I know Laura liked was the uh, Tax the Rich t-shirt that cost 58 bucks. <laughs> I was so <laughs> But um, anyway, oh, so there's been some heavy hitters, very prestigious award, and the way that we do this is if you are featured in a Daily Dose of Stupid, that's one point, and so we just count up whoever had the most appearances in a Daily Dose of Stupid. Well, this year it was kind of difficult because what we wound up having happen is a tie. It was tied between Joseph Robinette Biden and Chris Cuomo. But the problem is his brother, Andrew Cuomo, also had three appearances by himself, and some of them were together, and so we kind of just wound up figuring that the best way to break the tie would be to feature Andrew Cuomo and Chris Cuomo together. So congratulations to the Cuomo brothers who now share stupidest person of the year. Well done, guys. <laughs> they deserve it. You did. More than absolutely. anyone I can think of. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you ever watch um, Stu Does America? It's one of the Blaze shows. No. So I'm going to do a little free promo because I like Stu's show and he, he does a good job. Um, he, he has a store and he's actually been selling shirts that they're like couple shirts. Mm-hmm. And one says, Andrew Cuomo is awful. And the other one says, Chris Cuomo is worse. <laughs> I want, I want those shirts. That's hilarious. <laughs> you two should get that. Uh, we <laughs> wear that, though. Yep. Right. Yeah. I, could, I could see y'all doing that. Um, and <laughs> we take pictures any, of that. But anyway, yeah, the Cuomo brothers have just been the worst. Did you guys see either of their like uh, their little news conferences that they did together as brothers on the air? I saw the one where, like, uh, what was it? Chris Cuomo was making fun of Andrew Cuomo. or No, it was Andrew Cuomo. Anyway, one of them was making fun of the other for, like, a big nostril. Yeah, something the like COVID that. The COVID test. It was stupid. Ah, oh, it was so... <laughs> I like to mess with my brother, stupid. too, but that was stupid. Yeah, but you don't do it on national TV, and you you also don't think your goofy, like, inside family jokes are going to entertain people on a national Nobody! stage. Nobody! Yeah. But, but don't worry, joke. guys. Completely objective journalist Chris Cuomo and completely objective news outlet CNN doesn't mind having a nightly segment with him interviewing his brother, the governor of New York. Oh, yeah, no, never mind. <laughs> no bias going on there whatsoever. Nope. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Uh, that I mean, this has been really fun. Thanks, yeah, thanks for being with tradition. me. Yeah, guys, the Clarks, thank you so much for being with us and uh, you know, being with us throughout the year. They, you guys have made several guest appearances this year. We always love having you. No, we love doing it. Absolutely. Thank you, Caleb. All right. So what we're going to do now is we're going to go on and move on to the Chaplain's Report. In 1775, the Continental Congress created the Chaplain Corps. Under the command of General George Washington, each soldier was required to attend worship service every Sunday. While other armies advanced on their feet, Washington's troops advanced on their knees. It's time for the Chaplain's Report with Caleb Colquitt on tactics. Chaplain's Report today does come from the book of 1 Samuel. We're going to be continuing our series, and in case you weren't here for the last episode in the Chaplain's Report, so what's going on here is that David and Jonathan have devised a test, because David is convinced, for very good reason, that Saul is trying to kill him. 
And Jonathan does not want to believe this. He doesn't want to believe that his father wants to kill his best friend, and, and this is a reasonable thing to not want to happen. And so because of this, they've come up with a little test that on the New Moon Sabbath feast that is coming up, that David's just not going to be there. And based on how Saul reacts, if he's very upset that David's not there, then they're going to go ahead and assume that he really does want to kill them, that he was planning on trying to use this as a way to catch him and snare him so that he could do harm to him by having him come to the, the New Moon Sabbath feast. And Jonathan has come up with a way to inform him of his father's reaction because the story that he's, of course, going to tell Saul is that David has gone back to Bethlehem for the new moon sacrifice to be with his family, and if Saul is totally okay with this and there really is no ill intent in Saul's heart to hurt David, then what he's going to do is he's going to shoot three arrows, and he's going to tell one of his servants, go and retrieve the arrow, and if he says that the arrows are basically beyond you, then that means that it's not safe, that Saul's action was, his reaction to this whole thing was uh, very, very upset and angry. And so this is the signal that they're going to use so where David can stay nearby and find out what the results of this are without endangering David's life. And so this is how this whole thing works. It's actually a pretty clever little scheme that he and Jonathan hatch up. So we'll go ahead and just keep that in mind when we're reading the reading for today. That comes from 1 Samuel 20, verses 30 through 34. And it says, Then Saul's anger burned against Jonathan. And he said to him, You son of a perverse and rebellious woman, do I not know that you are choosing the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now then, send men to bring him to me, for he is doomed to die. But Jonathan replied to his father and said to him, Why must he be put to death? What has he done? Then Saul hurled his spear at him to strike him and kill him. So Jonathan knew his father had decided to put David to death. Then Jonathan got up from the table in the heat of anger, and did not eat food on the second day of the new moon, because he was worried about David since his father had insulted him. Now, what you just saw transpire is a pretty obvious answer to David and Jonathan's question. Jonathan says, no, David's not here. He went home to Bethlehem, and immediately Saul assumes the worst, and that is that his son is actually lying to him, and David did not go back that he's hiding and trying to protect David, which is more or less true. I mean, Saul's not way off base here. It's, he, he may not be protecting, I mean, he is protecting him. He's just, this is actually a test and they're orchestrating it. It's not just that he's given him an excuse. So, I mean, Saul's not unjustified in assuming that Jonathan has basically sided with David over him. But this reaction, though it is a, it is very telling of, of Saul's intent and the intent in his heart, and that's the reason that it was useful for David and Jonathan. I think we want to take a look at this and just see, Saul is so consumed with envy and hatred for David that it actually spills over into his own son. Now, this is a moment of passion, and Saul and Jonathan do still stay like amicable to one another later on after this. 
that he doesn't like cast Jonathan out into exile or, or hurt him or anything like this. But think about this. In this moment where Saul surmises more or less correctly that Jonathan has chosen to protect David's life rather than give Saul what he wants, he is so furious he tries to kill his own son. That is what envy and hatred does to you. It eats away at your very soul to where Saul is so angry that Jonathan will not betray an innocent person to turn over to him so that he might kill him, that Saul's reaction to this is to try to murder his own son. That's incredible. And if that's not a cautionary tale to us, to what hating another person or envying the kind of fame or notoriety or skill or talent or whatever else that they have, that it can destroy your soul and eat away at you and cause you to do things that you don't want to do. Because once, once Saul really takes a step back and looks at the situation, he decides that he doesn't want to destroy his son or his relationship with his son. But in that moment, he could have ended his son's life. Can you imagine what that would have done to Saul psychologically? I mean, it would have destroyed him. And by the way, we actually see where it kind of does destroy him later on in the story when he his actions result in the death of, of Jonathan. And so we're actually going to see that a little bit further down the line. But right here, he could have just absolutely destroyed himself if he had succeeded in doing what he set out to do, which was kill Jonathan because of his anger. I mean, just the level of malice and evil that has to be residing into you to want to kill your own child, that is just absolutely astounding. And Saul, I'm sure, never would have thought he would be the person that would be willing to do that, even in a heated moment of anger. But he is. And see, that's the thing that's important for us to note about this, too. We may think of ourselves as, oh, we'd never be the person that in a moment of passion or a moment of anger that we would lash out or, uh, you know, engage in some kind of sin. We, we would never be the person that would do this or do that. Just like I'm sure Peter thought he would never be the guy that would deny Jesus. Never, 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 ever. In fact, he says that right before he denies Jesus three times, not just once, three times. You see, Saul needed a little humility here to understand his own sinful nature and that he is a human being with passions that are capable of this. And he also needed to realize that this sin was going to do more than just the one thing that he thought it was going to do to him. See, sin has a cascading effect. It destroys the whole of a person. And so here we see Saul engaged in the sin of envy against David and it leads to a sin that is so horrible that his wrath gets the better of him, and for a moment he came close to killing his own kid. That's what sin does to people. But I want you to notice the contrast and reasoning in these two characters, Saul and Jonathan, that are present in this little episode that we're looking at here tonight. You, you notice how they argue with one another here, and what their approaches are? It says a lot about what's in their heart. Because you'll notice that Saul's appeal to Jonathan is self-interest. When Jonathan is like pushing back on his father and saying, well, well, why should David be put to death? Saul's response to that is, don't you understand? 
as long as David is alive, you will not be king. As long as he is here on this earth, then you are not going to inherit this kingdom. My line is not going to be established. He will take the throne from me. Therefore, you will never sit on the throne. That line will not be there anymore. You see, his appeal isn't even, well, I'm your father and you should do what I say. It's not even that. He goes straight to, Jonathan, don't you understand that you won't be king if David is allowed to live? Jonathan doesn't care about that. I mean, maybe Jonathan, I'm sure he's a prince, he's thought about it. That It would be nice to be king one day, that'd be, you know, great. But ultimately, he loves David more than he loves the idea of being on the throne. And if it's God's will for David to be on the throne, then Jonathan doesn't want to stand in the way of that. He loves God and loves David too much to allow that to get in the way of doing what's right. Saul wasn't that way. At this point, Saul doesn't care what God wants. He doesn't care what Jonathan wants. He doesn't care what David wants. The only thing he cares about is keeping the power that he has. And that's why he makes this appeal to Jonathan is because he thinks that Jonathan thinks like he does. Because that's the appeal that would have worked on Saul if the situation were reversed. He, Saul, if someone were to appeal to Saul's personal desires, that would be the way to get Saul motivated to do something. Because Saul's heart is not in the right place. The thing that he wants the most is on this earth, not in heaven. The thing that he cares about the most is Saul, not Jonathan, not David, not anybody else. And that's why he has become the monster that he really is. And you see, the reverse of that is that Jonathan doesn't appeal to Saul's self-interest at all. Saul's appeal is to morality. He knows that his father used to be a good man, a very good man. He knows that some of that little bit of Saul's morality and sense and reason, he knows it's still in there. He knows that Saul's soul is salvageable. It's frankly a very Christ-like attitude for Jonathan to adopt. I genuinely believe that if, if Saul had abandoned this quest to kill David, that Saul could have turned his life around and, and been a good king for the remainder of his reign. But he doesn't. Jonathan understands, and because of he, this he acts upon, morality. And that's why he makes this appeal to Saul. He says, but, but he hasn't done anything wrong. He's done nothing worthy of the penalty that you were dishing out. He is saying, Dad, what you're trying to suggest here would be an immoral action that is against God. See, that's Jonathan's appeal because that's the appeal that would work on Jonathan if the situation were reversed. Because Jonathan still cares about doing what God wants. He cares about God's law. He cares about the law of Moses. He cares about... God's direction and his will for his life. Therefore, that's the appeal that would work on Jonathan. Because of that, that's the one he would use on Saul because he is trying desperately to reach out to the dad that he knows he used to have. Because there was a time where Saul did care quite a bit about what God thought and tried to do what he thought God would want him to do. Jonathan is appealing to that side of Saul that he knows still exists somewhere deep in his soul. And you'll notice it's right after this that the spear throw happens. That's what prompts it. 
And so it's interesting here that Saul, he makes this appeal to his, he makes this argument to Jonathan to get him to change his mind, which is a selfish appeal. Jonathan's response to that is, but dad, it's not right. It's immoral. And Saul's reaction to this is, I'm just going to start throwing a spear at him. I mean, if there was a Bible story of a Twitter conversation, that was it. I know that's a weird analogy to make here, but think about it. It's actually true, isn't it? Isn't this what we experience on social media all the time? That we see somebody that's just outraged at something and they just uh, launch into some kind of tirade. And then somebody points out, well, yeah, but your logic isn't working here. And beyond that, it's also immoral. And immediately the guy is fighting mad and just like goes all caps. And But that's what just happened here in real life in this little episode between Saul and Jonathan. Saul has no good answer for that. He can't explain to people why he is engaging in this immoral action or why David should be put to death. He can't do that. Therefore, he goes to the, the very next action that he can think of, which is to kill the messenger, to attack the person that is pointing out that what he is doing is wrong. This is something that, unfortunately, is all too common, and it's part of human nature. The second somebody points out that we are incorrect, we want to just take them out, especially if we don't have a good counter or a good way to explain that, because it shows us for what we really are. What Jonathan just did is show everybody else in the room that Saul is no longer acting in God's best interest. He is not acting like a moral human being. He is not acting like a good king. And Saul, in his anger, strikes out against Jonathan as a result of that. Now, most of the time when this happens in real life, it's a verbal striking out. It's just they start attacking the person, they'll attack their character, they'll start insulting them, something like that. Uh, but in this case, it manifests in real physical violence, where Saul actually throws a spear at Jonathan. And I want to focus in on Jonathan and his reaction to this, because it says that he was so upset by this little episode that he refused to eat on the second day, and uh, he, this is just something that is really disturbing him. Who can blame him? Jonathan is devastated by this. And why? Because he loves David. Yeah, he doesn't want David to die. He doesn't want David to have to be on the run from his own father. But it's because he loves Saul too. Jonathan loves his dad. He wants the best for him. He doesn't want to see him devolve into the monster that he has become. And so... Jonathan's really experiencing heartbreak on two fronts here. He's devastated that now David has to go away and he won't see him again and uh, that he's not going to be able to live around him like he used to. This, this was a guy who he considers his brother and is his brother-in-law. And then on the other hand, he hates to see Saul devolve into this animalistic, instinct-driven uh, person that he doesn't even recognize. But ultimately, it's just hard to see two people that you love at odds. It really is. This is why it's so hard for parents to see their kids fighting with one another. I mean, I've seen parents to when their kids just are nasty to one another. And that happens. You know, brothers and sisters, sometimes we don't always get along. And that's something that's really, really hard for parents to see, especially when the kids are, are adults and they have irreconcilable differences. That devastates a parent. They don't want to see that because they love both of the kids. A divorce is another example of this. 
the reason that divorce is so devastating for kids, I mean, there's a number of different reasons, but one of the reasons, and one of the reasons it's so difficult is because the kid genuinely loves both parents most of the time. They love both of those parents, and they don't want to see this happen to them. And that's understandable. To see two people that you love just despise one another. And I know that that doesn't happen in every divorce, but it happens in a lot of them. And so, this is what's going on here, but ultimately I think that the lesson we should take away from this is this is exactly how God feels when we're fighting with each other. Because remember, we're all His children. He loves every single one of us, no matter who we are. And because of that, when He sees people being nasty to one another, backbiting one another, wishing ill on other people, I mean... In politics, which I'm in, you see this all the time. I mean, people literally wishing that someone would die or that their children would die just because they don't like their politics. As petty and dumb as that seems. But think about what that does to God. To see two of his children, two people that he knows intimately in every conceivable way and loves just attack one another out of spite. And that's one of the reasons, and especially in this, this time of year where we need to be good to one another and, and hopefully remember that we are all God's children and we're all bound together by that, that we have to remember to be kind and love one another because there's a number of reasons to do that, but ultimately as Christians and people who care what God thinks about us, we need to also care about Him and love Him enough to be good to one another because when we're not, it devastates him. So that's going to be our last chaplain's report for the year. Our last show of the year will come back after New Year's Day. So 300 episodes in the books. Pretty excited about that, guys. Thank you so much for the support and the love. We will see you again in 2021. And until that happens, stay the course, friends. Tactics with Caleb Colquitt. Only on News Radio 1440 and NewsRadio1440.com.